Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network Podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now let's get into today's teaching. Good evening, good evening, everyone. This is Apostle Cora Green, the founder of OC of Overseer of Upper Room Kingdom. I greet you all in the precious name of Jesus. I pray that each and every one of you had a wonderful, wonderful day. Again, as we're here once again for our weekly Bible study, I greet you all in the precious name of Jesus. I'm excited for the word as we continue to uh, move forward to advance God's kingdom, to expose uh, the kingdom of darkness. I'm excited for the word that is going to go forth on today. And so I welcome all, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Also watching on Facebook Live. Uh, those who are walk, watching on YouTube Live uh, and those who are uh, also streaming on Periscope. We're finally back up on Periscope. So um, so we, we should be good to go there now. So so good evening, uh, everyone. Good evening. Melissa, Teriana. Hello, Pastor Beth. Hello, Angela. Hello, Tiffany. God bless you. God bless you. Come on in, come on in as we prepare to go forth in the word of God. I uh, have a lot of ground uh, to cover. Um, so we're about to open up in prayer. Good evening, Felicia, so that we can get started, so we can get rolling uh, with Bible study. Amen. Hello, Valerie from Oklahoma. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. All right. Hello, Jackie. Good evening. Good evening. Hello, Georgia. Good evening to you. Good evening, Connie. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. All right. So we're going to open up in prayer. We're going to jump on into the word of God. Father God, we come now. We give your name glory. We give you an honor. We give your name praise. We thank you, God, for this day that you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it, oh God. We thank you, God, for these people, oh God, who have gathered from there and far, oh God, to, uh, to open up your word, the word that gives life. I thank you now for speaking to me, speaking through me, that you may be glorified in the name of Jesus, that this word will take root in the lives of these, your people, in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare and decree that it shall take root in the lives of these, your people, God, and they shall apply it to their lives in the name of Jesus. I come against any seeds that the enemy will try to sow to try to snatch this word. I blood block it. I cancel it in advance in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. We thank you, God. Uh, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, oh God, touching our heart, oh God, that the word will go in our heart. We thank you. We praise you. We glorify your name now. These and all blessed we ask in your son Jesus' name. And we pray, amen, amen, and amen. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, amen. So uh, last week, again, we started the new series, uh, Destroying Evil Altars, so part one. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, understanding altars. So understanding uh, uh, altars as a whole, we said again that wherever there is an altar that's raised, there has to be a sacrifice. And the altar is activated whenever there is a sacrifice. And we said again that, that, that there's two altars. There's, there's godly altars and there's evil demonic altars. And both altars possess power. Both altars can produce some results. Both, both altars Again, holds power, but golly altars are far more powerful. Again, golly altars are far more powerful than an evil altar. 
right? And so again, so we 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 made that that clear that both altars have power, but godly altars are far more powerful. And that 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 evil altars that are set up, yes, Satan wants sacrifices, Satan wants blood. And so those who raise those evil altars does not realize that the altar, that those demonic, those evil altars are never satisfied. Satan is always going to want more sacrifices and more sacrifices and more sacrifices. Uh, if they want to gain some type of power, they want him to do something for them, etc. And so you have to keep making these sacrifices unto him because, again, the altar is never satisfied. The evil altar. But then we said uh, one way to come up against demonic altars, evil altars, is to raise a godly altar. And that you and I, we can raise godly altars unto God. And how do we do that? It's simply saying uh, I raise an altar right here unto God and I cover it in the blood of Jesus. It's that simple. So once you've done that, you raise an altar, a, a, a holy altar, a godly altar, and you can make sacrifice on that altar. Again, scripture says present our body as a holy sacrifice so you can put things on the altar, your family, your finances, etc. Whatever you petition God for, you put it on that holy altar. And it's simple to raise that godly altar. So I made it abundantly clear that we should raise a godly altar. Again, we should raise a godly altar because godly altars are most powerful. And again, godly altars certainly produces results. Again, yes, evil altars have power, but godly altars have the most power. And we can combat and override those evil demonic altars that the enemy tried to raise uh, against us. Right. And so we talk about what 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 altar means uh, comes from the Hebrew word uh, misbeach, which means a slaughter to slaughter, a place of slaughter. It means to arrange, to prepare. So the altar is a place of slaughter where something is sacrificed. And I say it how on evil altars, uh, it's a place of slaughter where the enemy aims to slaughter your destiny, slaughter your finances, slaughter your family, slaughter uh, uh, your health, slaughter your marriage, that slaughter your marital destiny, slaughter your business, slaughter your ministry. So it's a place of slaughter where the enemy needs to try to come up against your destiny. And so we can combat that altar. We can destroy the altar through the fire of God. We said that the altar is a place where the spirit meets the natural. It's a place where divine, uh, where the divine invades the natural. It's a place of divine exchanges, where one exchanges something to get something in return uh, uh, in the, from the spirit realm. And so again, and it's usually a sacrifice that's made to get this thing in return. And so the altars are also where covenants are made. So altars are where covenants are made. It's where covenants are made with humans and the spirit realm. And of course, as falls of Christ, we already have the covenant. Uh, uh, with God through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ once and for all. So we already have our inheritance through Jesus Christ. So we in covenant with Christ and in evil altars are where covenants are made with Satan uh, and humans and human agents of Satan, etc. And they sacrifice blood, they sacrifice other things uh, uh, to gain something from these demonic spirits to to for these spirits to do certain things uh, uh, for them or, or against certain people. So that's what these evil altars do. Uh, and I say how in some villages, some evil altars in some countries, cities, some evil altars controls an entire city, controls an entire village, controls an entire street, etc. And we must combat that. We must come up against it in the name of Jesus. And we went from Deuteronomy chapter seven and we and we walked away with seven key things, seven key things before we move forward in this series to remind you. So I'm just refreshing your memory from last week. Seven key things that that we are equipped to do. And, and we found that in, in, in Deuteronomy. Uh, uh, chapter uh, seven, verses one through eleven, is where we came from, and we say it again: that seven key things from that, from that, from that chapter that we must do before we move forward. So, number one, we have to conquer them. When we talk about the evil altars and our in our wicked enemies, you have to conquer them. Number two, you must utterly destroy them. Number three, you must make no covenants with them. 
Number four, you must show no mercy to them. Number five, you must destroy their altars. You must destroy their altars. And that's going to be an ongoing theme as we go in this series. Number six, you must break down their sacred pillars. And number seven, you must cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. Uh, so again, if you missed that last week, that was our introduction. That was the beginning. So make sure you go back and watch that. It's a great foundation that's necessary as we move forward and we take off. So make sure that you go back and watch part one of Destroying Evil Altars. Amen. So now we're going to go on to part two. Uh, so those on Facebook uh, uh, and on Periscope, uh, make sure you hit the share button. Share it, share it, share it with your friends so that they will get this word, so they don't get exposed to it. So make sure you hit the share button where you are right now on Facebook Live, on Periscope. Uh, make sure you hit the share button. Amen. I don't think the option is on YouTube, but make sure you hit the share button on Facebook. Share it with your friends and on Periscope. Share it with uh, your followers. Amen. So today, again, we're in part two of Destroying Evil Altars, and we're going to talk about the battle between two altars. The battle between two altars. That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and again, I have a lot of ground to cover, so I'm going to take off. So, so understand. So we understand this concept. We're in a war. We understand that we're in a war. We're in a war, but everyone does not understand that they are at war. Everyone does not believe they're in a war. All of that does not matter because the enemy knows that you and I are in war. The enemy knows this. The enemy understands that. So Satan knows that he is at war against the children of God. Again, he's fully aware of that, whether every child of God is actively participating in it or not. So it would greatly benefit, benefit us as children of God, as warriors of Christ, to not only recognize the war that we're in, but to know how to win the war. So what good is it if you know you're in a war, but don't know how to win the war, don't know how to use the weapons in the war. So we have to understand we have to use our weapons. Yes, we know again that in the end we win. We know that. We, we know that in the end we win. However, it's not just in the end. We're not living just for the end. God wants us and he expects us to win now. I'm going to say it again. God wants us and he expects us to win now. He expects us to execute uh, 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 the victory on earth. So repeat after me. God expects me to win now. Say it again. God expects me to win now, right now. So again, he expects you. He expects me to win now. It's an expectation again. He expects us to win and win and win and win now. Amen. And so the victory we know was already won on the cross through, through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. But the victory is not automatic. It's not automatic. It's not automatic for us on earth. It doesn't just happen. So the victory doesn't just happen. We must execute the victory on earth. We must not only defend our God-given territories, but we must also drive out darkness. We have to drive out darkness. And so Satan always wants sacrifices from those who submit to him. He always wants sacrifices from those who submit to him. However, Satan is not the creator of sacrifices. Let's understand his premise. Satan is not the creator of sacrifices. But he's a copycat. He simply took the principles of godly sacrifices and perverted it for evil. He knows the power of an altar. Satan is fully aware of the power of an altar. That's why he does not want you to, number one, expose it. 
and destroy it. And he doesn't want you to erect a godly altar. And we're going to get deeper into that today. He does not want you to erect an altar. So, again, he took the principles of godly sacrifices and he perverted it for evil because he knows the power of an altar. So he has witches, warlocks and sorcerers erect evil altars unto him. And there must always be a sacrifice. There must always an altar is not activated except there be a sacrifice. Even when we erect holy altars unto God, the blood of Jesus is the bloodshed that was the sacrifice. And now we present our bodies, the word of God says, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. So we're submitting our bodies as a sacrifice, saying, Lord, move this flesh aside. Use me for your glory. So we submit ourselves. We put down our will and we pick up the will of God. We submit ourselves as a sacrifice unto God. We offer praises and worship unto God as a sacrifice unto God. We sow seeds into the kingdom of God as a sacrifice unto God. All these things you can do when you raise godly altars, you make sacrifices. An altar, again, is not and cannot be activated except there be a sacrifice. It cannot be activated except there be a sacrifice. It has to be sacrificed. And so, again, Jesus' blood, once and for all, he was the ultimate sacrifice to create the new covenant that we can go to God as often and any time as we want. We can go to God only because of the sacrifice of Jesus' blood. That's how we can go to God ourselves anytime we want because of the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. That gives us access to the throne of God to go unto God because that's a godly sacrifice. Right. And so now has Satan had known that. He would have never crucified Jesus. If he had known that. If he knew what would have came from the blood sacrifice, wanting for all. So we don't have to use goats and cows and, and, and sheep, etc. He was the lamb that was slaughtered for us once and for all. And so now that sacrifice of Jesus Christ allows us to raise godly altars unto God the Father, and we can put things on that altar. And that altar must respond. And the altar must respond. So again, put it, put it back in perspective again. So the evil altars are always calling for more. Evil altars are always calling for more. The demons from those altars are never satisfied because Satan is never satisfied. Again, they're never satisfied because Satan is never satisfied. So we find ourselves going through life on purpose to establish God's kingdom in every aspect of our life on earth. We do this by carrying out the assignments of God that God gives unto us. We do this by letting our light shine, by doing good to others and, and for others that God may be glorified in and through us. So we do it again that God might be glorified in and through us. So while we're doing this, follow me now, while we're doing this, the enemy is behind the scenes trying to do everything to hinder us because they don't want us to establish God's kingdom. So again, the enemy is behind the scenes trying to do everything to hinder us because they don't want us to establish the kingdom of God. So they don't want us to prosper. They don't want us happy. They do it all in an attempt to try to get back at God. They're trying to get back at God, but they still lose against us as long as we keep showing up. 
They will still lose against you and I as long as we keep showing up. Remember, the victory is not automatic. In the end, it is because when Christ returns, his final judgment is going to happen to all the wicked enemies. But and Satan's going to get his final judgment. But again, we can cause judgment to come now. We can bring judgment upon our wicked enemies now by taking our case to the courts of heaven that God, the just judge, will rule on our behalf. Amen. And so, again, the victory on earth is not automatic. Contrary to proper belief, it doesn't just happen. It's not automatic. We have a job. We have responsibility. Again, Psalm 115 and 16, heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he gave to humanity, he gave to us. So we rule here. This is our domain. This is our place of jurisdiction. The earth is not our, our home, but it is our throne, the place we rule and reign from right now. So we have to take our seat of authority. Right. And so so again, when Christ returns, we know that's in the final judgment. But again, we can send God's wrath upon our wicked enemies on earth now. And so behind the scenes, these evil altars are set up to make sacrifices unto Satan, fallen angels and demons under his control. So the workers of these evil altars are witches, warlocks and sorcerers. They get their assignment from Satan and they attempt to carry it out. And lower ranking witches and warlocks and sorcerers, they may take it upon themselves to try to curse someone that they don't like or try to cause this to happen, this person, whatever. But those who are working for Satan, they get instructions. They get assignments that they have to carry out. Again, they get assignments that they have to carry out. So, again, putting it back in perspective, but they, but even in all that, in, in all those situations, they will still use some type of altar. So the enemy will always raise some type of evil altar to try to work against you. They will make some type of sacrifice if they want Satan to try to do something to a higher extent. So it has to be a sacrifice. Every altar has a sacrifice. Evil altars that are raised by our wicked enemies, they have to make sacrifices. And for, and, and, and for the curses to even attempt to go forward, that they attempt to sin, they still need the cooperation of demons, and it must begin with a sacrifice. There's no way around it. So although there are those evil altars trying to battle us, we as children of God can raise a godly altar to combat the works of darkness. So in this battle, it's a battle between two altars. Again, say it's between two altars. It's the evil altar erected by our enemies and a godly altar erected by us. It's a battle between two altars where the two altars collide. And so the evil altar is powerful and it can cause severe damage. I've seen it happen. It can cause severe damage. However, the godly altar is far more powerful and can cause far more damage to the enemy. So yes, we typically would raise a godly altar for certain things to manifest in our lives and to petition God on the behalf of others. But follow me now. However, the same godly altar, you got to catch this revelation, the same godly altar that we can raise to receive answers from God and so many great things from God, the same godly altar can be used as a weapon of warfare against Satan and his agents. Yes, I said again, we can raise a godly altar as a weapon against Satan his demons, his witches, warlocks, and sorcerers. Yes, one strategy in spiritual warfare that we can employ is to raise a godly altar and use it as a weapon against the enemy. 
So repeat after me. Godly altars are spiritual weapons. Say it again. Godly altars are spiritual weapons. Say it one more time. Godly altars are spiritual weapons. So this is another weapon in your arsenal that you can use against the enemy. And it serves several purposes. Just like the fire of God can consume us and bring God's glory upon us. But that same fire can destroy the works of the enemy, can wipe out demons, witches, walk, and sorcerer. The blood of Jesus covers us, protects us, covers us uh, uh, in, in, in case of sin. But this and, 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 and it brings about salvation when we accept Jesus Christ. But the same blood, we can send the same blood to fight on our behalf, to speak against the enemy, to destroy the blueprints of the enemy. That same blood that, that, that transforms us is the same blood that can destroy the works of the enemy. And so this godly altar that we can raise unto God for, 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 for him to answer our prayers, for him to hear our petition, for him to bless us, to bring certain things into our life, is the same godly altar that we can use as a weapon against the enemy. It's a very powerful weapon to use because God always responds to sacrifices one way or another. I'm going to say it again. God always responds to sacrifices one way or another. Heaven responds to sacrifices. Heaven responded to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to the point that we, we came into an entire new covenant. When the Old Testament, the priest, the people had to go to the priest and then the priest would go to God on behalf of the people. Now, because of Jesus' sacrifice, heaven responded and said, now every child of God, anyone who accepts Jesus Christ can now come to me directly. They become the priest now. You became a priest because of Jesus' sacrifice. And I told you, we can't take for granted the covenant and the power of Jesus' sacrifice. Because what happened? Remember, in the Old Testament, the Mosaic law, you could be a, 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 a king and a prophet. You could be a prophet and a priest. But you could not be a king and a priest. You could be a king and a prophet. You could be a prophet and a priest, but you could not be a king and a priest. It is only after Jesus' sacrifice that we now could become priests and kings. And when I say kings, that's gender exclusive. In the book of Revelation, it says that we are kings and priests unto our God. We are kings and priests unto our God. That did not happen until Jesus' sacrifice. And because God responds to sacrifices, that ultimate sacrifice changed our entire life. It changed, it gave us an entire new covenant, an entire new covenant with Jesus Christ. The power of a sacrifice, the power of a sacrifice on the altar. So now here we have this powerful sacrifice through Jesus Christ. Now we have this godly altar we can raise as a weapon against the enemy. And again, the good news is that Jesus Christ shed blood is all the sacrifice that we need to gain the attention of God. It's from that foundation of Jesus' blood covering a godly altar that we can then offer sacrifices on top of it. On top of the blood of Jesus Christ. So Christ's blood is the foundation in which we start from. Again, Christ's blood is the foundation in which we start from. And, and when it comes to godly altars. 
So when the evil altars, follow me now, when the evil altars are trying to rage war against you, you can rage war by raising a godly altar. And I'm going to show you tonight why the enemy does not want you to raise a godly altar. Because God, again, always, always, I didn't say sometimes, always, always, I'm showing the secrets of the power of a godly altar. And so you can raise a godly altar to combat the evil altars. Remember, it's simple. You could say something like this. I raise an altar right here unto God. I cover it in the blood of Jesus. It's that simple. Now that altar is raised. It's that simple. And your altar is established in the realm of the spirit. And yes, you can create a physical altar if you if, if, if you would like to from anything, from anything. It can be a table, a chair, a cardboard box, and you, you put nice de special decoration on top of it. It can be a closet. It can be a room, etc. You can create your own. You can raise your own physical altar. It can be anything that you want. If there's a place you have set aside, you can raise an altar there. We see it all throughout scripture. They use stones often. We can use anything like a table, chairs, desks, pillows. It don't matter. You can you would you when you submit it unto God as a holy altar, covenant blood of Jesus, it now becomes an altar. And so you can do a prophetic act and bring pictures or items of those that you're praying for as a point of contact. It's not a must. It's not necessary, but it's a prophetic act. Again, it's not necessary, but let me rem remind you again, that's not witchcraft. I'm going to break this down. That's not witchcraft. I'm going to show you the difference. Those who operate in witchcraft, however, will use pictures, articles of clothing, uh, uh, someone's hair, someone's fingernail, uh, anything they can get that, that was attached to a person in an attempt to curse that person. And attempt to curse that person. Of course, that's really low, low level witchcraft, like witch doctors. That's low level because they need to use some of those things to try to, you know, to cause things. But higher level witchcraft, witch and warlocks don't even need that to try to send curses. They just need to raise that altar. And because of the rank that they are, there's certain things they can do. They have certain demons working for them to be able to do certain things. But what they do, they'll use those things as a point of contact. So, so putting that perspective now, and so, and so, when they're using it to attempt to curse a person, that's witchcraft because they're using it for an evil purpose. Remember, remember, I tell you all the time, as children of God, you can release the anointing. You have the Holy Spirit, and you want to accept Jesus Christ, you can release the anointing. You can release it on a chair, on a door handle, on a utensil. So I release the anointing on this chair. You go to a restaurant. I release the anointing on this chair. When someone sits in there again, that, that something will get on that anointing will get on them. Something will begin to change. Something will be, begin to impact them. Loved ones who aren't saved. I release the anointing on this shoe that they'll have an encounter with God. I release. It's, that's not witchcraft. You're, when you're releasing the anointing of God, it's to bring about change in the life of someone. When you're putting them on the altar, it's about bringing change in their life for the good. Not, oh, I'm going to get there. This shoe, I'm going to get the article of clothing because I want them to like me, because I want them to marry me, because I want them to give me this job. No, that's witchcraft. You're trying to manipulate. But when you're doing it for will, the will of God, someone to be saved, someone to be healed, someone to be transformed, especially if you know their prayer request, what they're desiring even. You can erect a holy altar. And as a prophetic act, you can use pictures and articles of clothing, different things like that. Your children, etc. You can you can put them on the holy altar and use article of clothing. Anoint their shoes. It's no different when you anoint in a house. You go into every room and anoint in the house. You release anointing in that house. 
So you can release the anointing everywhere you go. And because you want to be filled up so that you can pour it all out to get filled up again. So everywhere we go, we can release the anointing. And so because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us. But the enemy does that for evil. They will try to touch things or touch people in an attempt to curse them. That's witchcraft. I have stories for days. I remember a young lady told a story one day that uh, uh, her mother-in-law, uh, she did not like when she came into the house, etc., because she knew that she was a witch and her husband was in denial. And every time the mother-in-law came, something crazy happened to her. Or the mother would try to rob her back a certain way, touch the back, and she fell and broke her arm. And all these crazy things happened in the house because of witchcraft, point of contact. She knew she had an article of clothing. She knew she had these different things, witchcraft. So they were using those things, releasing curses. So remember, Satan is a copycat. He understands the principle of releasing power, releasing energy, because we're light, we're energy, we are light. And that, that's not something that New Age folks uh, came up with. But again, Satan twists the truth. We are the light of the world. Yes, we're energy. But, they, but those New Age folks are, 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 are demonically oppressed, some possessed, confused, thinking that they're just energy and they're in all and they're coming in contact with Mother Nature and, and the earth and worshiping all these things. That's idolatry. So they'll get some principles and Satan will twist it, some godly principles. So I'm showing you the difference. The enemy will use these things for evil. So that's why you have to also pray for discernment. Because there, there, there are also people posing as children of God, as pastors, etc., who mixes witchcraft into what they do. They draw people in, but are using witchcraft behind the scenes. These ritual bathings, witchcraft stuff, they're mixing stuff in there. But draw people in and then include witchcraft in it. So that's what we pray for the sermon. So again, a battle between the two altars is a battle of persistency and consistency. I'm going to say it again. The battle between the two altars, it alters, is a battle of persistency and consistency. So don't stop praying. Don't stop worrying until you see the results. It's as simple and straightforward as that. So you must have a no quit mindset. And that mindset is in having the mind of Christ. So we're more than conquerors as the word of God says. That's who we are. And we simply need to be just that. It's not, it's not automatic. It requires our participation. So there are evil altars that have been raised against you and your family, but you can destroy it. Let's go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings 18, verses 17 to 29. We're going to park here. 1 Kings 18, verses 17 through 29. And that's 1 Kings 18. 17 to 29. We're going we're gonna to deal with the evil altar here. 1 Kings 18, verses 17 to 29. It says, Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me, on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? 
How long will you falter between two opinions? We, we see that. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now, Elijah said to the prophet of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull, which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked him and said, cry aloud for he is God. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he's on a journey or perhaps he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. And when midday was passed, they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. It says no one answered. No one paid attention. Now it says people also have to be careful not to start worshiping the altar as an idol in place of God himself. Well, of course not. That's the same. Like I say, it's a weapon. It's no different. You don't worship angels. You use you, you utilize the heavenly host to fight on your behalf. Carry angels or ministry angels who come to minister unto you. No, you don't worship that the, 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 the altar because the altar is, 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 is a medium through which uh, uh, you, you, you gain access to heaven through prayer. It's still an act of prayer. The sacrifice you put on the altar, you, you're still praying unto God. That's still where it gets activated from. It's a sacrifice unto God. So, again, it's an altar where there's power. It's an altar that we raise unto God. It's no different when we go into the courts of heaven where we're summoning, uh, petitioning God. So, again, with anything, no, you don't worship angels. You don't worship the altar. Uh, uh, you worship God. But these are weapons. These are strategies that you use that creates powerful results because the principles of the altar does not change there's power in altar there's power in sacrifice on the altar but yes some people have to be careful that you're not turning an altar into an idol and and not realizing that you're praying unto god in that process because the altar has no power except it be through the power of god except it be through the sacrifice that's made unto god amen and we'll see from this passage uh how that how that operates so in this passage we see uh king ahab who is the king of Israel. And we know he's the husband, was the husband of Jezebel. Uh, and so he was calling the prophets of God and the false prophets of Baal to a meeting at the request of uh, Elijah. Now at this point, Jezebel had already called for a mass killing of the prophets and priests of God. It was a massacre. She tried to wipe them completely out. We see that in 1 Kings 18 and 4. If you go up a few verses in, in, in verse 4, you will see Jezebel had them slaughtered. She wanted them to be extinct because they served and taught others about the true and living God. That's what she did. And she wanted those altars destroyed. 
Why? Because she knew the power of a godly altar. I'm showing you some revelation and some things that you probably did not see in this passage before. So now, and so she wanted them extinct. Because again, they served and taught others the true about the true living God. But that was in competition to Baal. That made Baal unhappy because Baal knew that he had no power in the power of God. He had power, but not in the face of God. And so Jezebel wanted them extinct, wiped out. So many, many, many prophets or priests of God who were working those godly altars were destroyed, wiped out, killed, murdered. And not only that, but they raised godly altars. They made sacrifices unto God. And Jezebel knew that was a problem and that the false god Baal wanted them stopped because those godly altars, altars caused problems for the agenda of Baal. Godly altars caused problems for the agenda of Baal. It caused problems for the agenda of Satan, who's over all of that. So Baal knew godly altars were more powerful. The very demonic spirit that Jezebel and all of them were serving knew that the godly altars were more powerful. So Jezebel called for a mass killing of the prophets, the priests of God. Because those children of God had too much power. So the good news is that Obadiah, who worked in King Ahab's palace, was a child of God. He hid 100 prophets of God or priests of God in a cave to save them from death. He had 50 in one cave and 50 in another. And then he fed them bread and water. We see that in 1 Kings 18 and 4 as well. So, so, so God still had someone in position to come up against what the enemy was trying to do. And, and he was in the enemy's house. Sometimes God will put you in the enemy's house, in what the enemies think their territory, in what looks like a dark place. Because you are the one on assignment to rescue some folks in that place. You the one on assignment to set the captives free in that place. You the one on assignment to change the atmosphere in that place. Even though it looks like a dark place, he'll send you to the enemy's house, into the enemy's camp on assignment because he can trust you with it. So Obadiah was planted there in the house of Ahab and Jezebel. To save some of the prophets. Because he knew what the enemy was up to. He had inside secrets. And he was able to save some of the prophets of God. Hello, somebody. And so follow me now. So look what happens. So, 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 so we see that that happened in uh, 1 Kings 18 and 4. Uh, we, we see what happened there. And then so we find Elijah, who was a true prophet of God. In a battle of the altars between a godly altar and an evil demonic altar. And at this point, Elijah appeared to be the only prophet of God that was still left. But we know again, 50 or 50 was in one cave, 50 in another. There was 100 that was already, uh, 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 Obadiah had already hidden. But we find out later in 1 Kings 19 and 8 that there were 7,000 prophets of God who had not bowed down to Baal that God had preserved. In other words, all the children of Israel had not worshipped Baal. There was still a remnant left. And so understand Baal, we talk about Baal, 
Baal is a territorial spirit. It's a principality. That's a ruling spirit over regions, over large groups of people. That's why Baal controlled the entire region of Israel. That was the principality over there. And now King Ahab, Ahab was the evil king. And then Jezebel, the evil queen, that continue to push Baal's agenda. Those were the human agents that Baal was able to use because Jezebel worshipped Baal. Ahab worshipped Baal. So Baal is the spirit that goes into regions. And whatever the dominating sin is, that's what the city's known for. You know, certain cities are known for certain things. But there's a bunch of crime here. There's a bunch of this here. There's a bunch of that here. It's known for certain things. To say, you know, certain streets are known for certain things. Certain areas known for accidents. And so even in the church, wherever the dominating sin, there's a dominating sin in the church. That's what the church is known for. Because, it, again, it's, it begins to spread. So Baal names the territory. Jezebel worshiped Baal. So Baal outranged Jezebel. So those who worship Baal believe that this spirit gave them prosperity. Because it was the God of nature and a God of fertility. But what did they have to do to, quote unquote, get something from Baal? They had to make sacrifices. They had to make sacrifices. And, and, and I, I know the story of, of this powerful missionary uh, in Mexico and uh, went into this camp. I'm going to show you what happened in some villages. It was, it was, it was in this camp. Uh, uh, and so the, the people were there. And, and they, you know, they worship their ancestors. They worship these false gods. Uh, and they had a kind of literally had an account. An angel showed up and told them that uh, a, a, a man was going to be coming. And, he, and they told him the information, name and everything. He showed up again. An angel Lord gave him this, this vision. These people weren't saved or anything. He came in there. Folks would get healed, get delivered, set free, get saved. And then the, the chief witch doctor, the, tree, the chief warlock in, in the city. I mean, in that particular village, they brought him in there. He didn't realize they know who it was. You know, he, they, he, they sat down, drank tea, whatever. And they're just looking at him, looking at him. Like, why, why, why are they looking at me? Why are they looking at me? Because they put poison in it. They put some in there to see what was going to happen, thinking that they could curse him. It didn't work. So then now they're thinking, oh, my God, who is this? You know, who is, what is this Jesus Christ? What is his power? And so uh, he went and there was a, a young girl in there who who. All, all the people when they were sick or whatnot, they got healed. Uh, the young girl was crying and whatnot because uh, because the, the, the leaders in the village had already raped her and caused all this damage to her life, et cetera. And, and so she got saved and redeemed. And then they took him to the slaughterhouse, the place where all there was heaps here with nothing but blood. And he saw slain cows and nothing but blood all over the place, nothing but blood. He's like, what is this? And they said, and then one of the leaders said, all our life, but what have the ancestors done for us? They, 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 they constantly want more sacrifice and, and, and they're killing all our cattle and, 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 and it caused all this damage. We got to make all these sacrifices. We're done with you. We're done with you. We, we, we don't want you anymore. We, we want you out of here. You know, so he got rid of all the altars, the evil altars, the idol worshiping altars, destroyed an entire village, ran into the power of Jesus Christ and got saved. But those altars, he talked about the blood, the blood, all he saw was blood all over the place. From sacrifices unto the demons, because those demons are never satisfied. But notice, even when he went in there, he was afraid. 
not not the not the man of God who came and set them free, but uh, and his team, but the the one who used to work the altar, the priest who used to work the altar were afraid of the altars. And we find this a lot that the workers of the witchcraft, the workers of the evil altars, are afraid of the very thing because they, if they do something wrong, if they if they if they don't do the incantation right, they gotta do it all over again. All over again. Some of them don't sleep; they don't get any rest because at night the altar demands more blood. And if they go out on assignment and they don't accomplish the assignment, they are often told, "If you don't kill them, you're gonna die in their place." And so sometimes they get spared. But I say, okay, well, if you couldn't kill them, you better give me two other two other human blood, two other deaths. And I saw some witches and warlocks gain more quote unquote demonic spiritual eyes through the more deaths and killings that they that they do, because the blood, uh, the sac, the altar calls for blood. Satan is is never satisfied, but they don't understand this. So that so oftentimes they're they're supposed to be serving these altars, evil altars, and they're afraid of the backlash. That's going to come from the evil altars because they know the power of the evil altar. But they're literally in bondage. To their own altars that they set up. The altars they set up to try to gain power, money, sex, to try to gain some type of influence, whatever the case. But the altars they set up really controls them. They think they're controlling the altar, but really the evil altar is controlling them. But our God is not that way, but they just don't understand that. And some of them don't care because they have gotten some power. But I'm showing you, again, it's our duty our, our, on, on us to destroy those altars. And so let follow me now. So, so those who worship Baal, again, like I said, believe it, this spirit gave them prosperity because he was the God of nature and fertility, even though he gave them some things that always came with a higher cost. So in verse 17, we see that Ahab called Elijah the troubler of Israel. We see it right here in verse 17, the troubler of Israel. That's what they called him, the trouble of Israel. He called him that because he felt Ahab was the reason there was a famine in the land. There was a massive drought. All thought Israel had not rained for three and a half years. It was a famine. And Elijah made it clear that the judgment that was in Israel wasn't because of Elijah, but it was because of all the evil and disobedience uh, uh, unto God. What Ahab and his fathers have done, his family had done. That's why there was a famine in the land. Judgment was coming upon them. It was because of their idol worship unto the false god Baal. You shall have no other gods before me, says the Lord. But they worship Baal. And this is what the enemy sees. Uh, 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 this is what, what, what the enemy sees you as when you stand boldly before God. The enemy sees you as a troublemaker. When you not only obey God, but when you fight back against them. It's one thing that you say, I'm in obedience to God, but then now you come against the very enemy that's trying to come up against you. So you are a greater threat. Following now, you are a greater threat when you obey God, carry out his will in the earth and know how to fight back against the enemy's efforts to derail you. So, again, you are a greater threat when you obey God, when you carry out his will in the earth and know how to fight back against the enemy's effort to derail you. So Elijah told Ahab, gather all of Israel on Mount Carmel, along with the 450 false prophets of Baal and the 400 false prophets of Asherah. And of course, Asherah was supposed to be the female god opposite of Baal, the male god. Uh, so these false prophets were also the priests of these evil altars. 
Again, these false prophets were also the priests of these evil altars. And so they offered the sacrifices to satisfy the demands of the evil altars. And then the scripture says that they ate from Jezebel's table. They ate from Jezebel's table. In other words, Jezebel fed them even in the famine and provided for them. Again, Jezebel fed them even in the famine and provided for them. Look at that now. So she showed these false prophets favor. Remember, Jezebel served Baal. Jezebel served Baal, so she was trying to please the gods. She was trying to please Satan. So Elijah asked the people in verse 19, how long will you halter between two opinions? How long will you go back and forth between two opinions? Really, we could say, how could they go back and forth between two altars? Because some of them had the nerve to try to serve God and serve Baal. They, they, they tried to serve both. And we know in the New Testament, Scripture says that you can't serve God and mammon. Some transit transferred money, but mammon is a demonic spirit. He said, either you will love one and hate the other. You, you can't serve both. So he was pretty much saying, how long are you going to alter between, falter between two altars? The godly altars and these evil demonic altars. They tried to make sacrifices unto both. Some of them did. And of course, God will reject that contaminated sacrifice. And Elijah told them that they needed to make a decision as to who they were going to serve. The people of Israel were silent. He said they were silent when he spoke to them. They had nothing to say. And some knew they were wrong. And others, of course, were just flat out rebellious and didn't care. So Elijah said, all right, let's settle this dispute. So he called for a battle of the altars. And we're going to see what really happens here. It appeared that Elijah was outnumbered. There were 850 false prophets of Baal and Asherah. Remember, it was 450 false prophets of Baal, 400 uh, false prophets of Asherah. So 850 total priests who raises evil altars. So I'm just putting this in your mind to imagine 850 evil priests raising evil altars. So this, but, but watch this now, but there was one Elijah, one true prophet of God, of God. Follow me now. So this shows how high of a priority you may be to the enemy. I'm showing you now, 850 evil priests who were workers of evil altars came against one prophet of God. Because you go back later, early in this chapter, when uh, uh, Elijah came uh, 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 on, on, on assignment from God, and then he came across Obadiah, and he told Obadiah, tell King Ahab, I want to see him. I, I want to see him. He's like, whoa, wait a second, man. No, if I tell him that, I'm going to be killed. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me if I go and tell them, number one, that you're alive. They've been looking for you. They couldn't find you. So if I go tell them, the king, King Ahab is going to kill me. He said, because if I come back and then you're not here, God takes you up or something and you're not here, I'm going to die. He said, no, I'm going to be here. I'm going to show up. The Lord sent me. I'm not going anywhere. And so 850 false prophets, evil priests serving Baal 
offering sacrifices, we're now here coming against one prophet, Elijah. So again, I'm putting in perspective how much attention can be on you. You can, you can cause that much demonic attention to be on you when you shake up demonic kingdoms. That's an honor to be the topic of conversation among your wicked enemies. That's why you can't afford not to pray. Because if you think for one second, oh, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm covered in the blood, so I don't have to worry about the evil altars. Oh, no. If, if you got that money, evil altars trying to work against you night and day, you can't afford not to pray on the level of your promotion because they will study you front and back. They will know every ins and out about your life, about who you connected to. Just think about when the FBI or something does some re reporting or they, they spy or do whatever case would be, intelligence, CIA, et cetera, going undercover, uh, uh, monitoring the drawers and, and getting all this and getting all this information. Imagine. Um, uh, imagine what happens. Imagine what happens if you don't pray. Because remember, the altars are trying to come for you. Do you have power over it? Yes. But to just sit back casually, if you have that much attention on you, you have to pray on a level of your promotion because now they're attacking you on a level in which you are on. The level they see you at in the realm of the spirit. So you can't be praying like you on a lower level because the enemy sees when you're on a higher level. So they now they know they have to raise the attacks against you. They see what God's released from heaven, which also gives them an indicator. They see some of the things God released, which also gives them an indicator of what's happening in your life, what's about to manifest. So they try to slow it down. Remember, they can't stop it. They can block it, delay it, find whatever. So they got a whole rap sheet on you, a whole book on you. Remember, everything God creates, Satan tries to duplicate. Do you have a book in heaven? Yes, your book of destiny that has everything written in it that, that, that is supposed to manifest in your life. And it's all guaranteed as long as you stay on post. You don't, you don't relent. You don't give up because God will restore the years that were lost. But then the enemy says, okay, well, you got a book in heaven. Now we need this book on them. We, so they have a book on your whole bloodline, what works in your bloodline, what has worked in your blood in the past, what curses worked, what generational curses worked, what traps worked, who you connected to, who you used to be with, who you used to date, what was connected to that person's bloodline used to date. They know all of it. And then you have demonic familiar spirits who just monitor you. It's their job just to watch you and monitor and then report back to higher ranking spirits on how to attack. So when they monitor, you can say, I sent a blood of Jesus to, 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 to uh, strike every monitoring third eye with blindness. I sent a blood of Jesus to strike every monitoring third eye with blindness. So any monitoring spirit with blindness, any witchcraft communication systems that's trying to spy on me, that's trying to gather information, I strike them with blindness. I scatter it. I destroyed in the name of Jesus. So here we go. Elijah got 850 evil priests raising the altar. 850 making evil incantations unto Baal, unto Satan. And one Elijah. So here we so let's go further into the story now. So Elijah was on their list. They were looking for Elijah before he even showed up under the instructions of God. They wanted him dead. But their evil altars were unsuccessful. Uh, is it safe to say that Elijah was a praying man? Is it safe to say Jesus was a praying man? He often withdrew in the wilderness to pray. Hello, somebody. And so follow me. And so 
So during what I call the battle of the two altars, this is what I kind of coined it, the battle of the two altars, Elijah told the people to get two bulls for a blood sacrifice offered up to the deity. So the false prophets would have cut a bull in half and placed it on the altar, which would be the evil altar, and to put no fire under the wood. Then Elijah would get a bull as well and do the same thing by putting it on the wood with no fire under it. So the challenge was simple. The false prophets and the false priests would call upon Baal to answer by fire and consume the sacrifice presented unto Baal. Elijah would then uh, turn around and call upon God to answer by fire and consume the offering on the Gali altar that he erected. So the people agreed to these terms and the battle was set. The battle between the two altars were set. And so Elijah had the false prophets go first. He said, right, y'all go first. Because he said, he's in verse 25, he said, y'all go first because there's many of you. And notice that he emphasized that there were many of them to show that it was only one him. So from morning to noon, the false prophets of Baal called on Baal, but there was no answer. There was no fire. And Elijah began to mock them and was saying things like, Baal must be asleep. <laughs> he must be too busy. He must be on a journey. He must be asleep and needs to be awakened. In verse 27, you see him mocking him, says Baal asleep. So Elijah was very bold and confident because he was coming in the power of God. He was coming in the power of God on assignment from God. And this was what was, 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 was as you move forward. And so, again, he understood his assignment. This, he was on assignment. So, so here we go. He, he, he was fighting. He was in a war. So, so th this was not what was not some assignment that Elijah fought alone. He, he went on assignment alone. It looked like he was by himself. But all of heaven was backing him. He came in the confidence and authority of God and all of heaven was backing him. He knew this. He knew he had the heavenly host at his disposal. He knew it. And so the Baal priests had done everything. They leaped on the altar. They cried out even louder and even began cutting themselves, which was their custom as blood gushed out. Now, this is an important thing to understand. It, said, it clearly says that this was their custom, the whole cutting of themselves. We see it in verse uh, 28. Verse 28. It says, so they cried out loud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. But this was their custom. This is something they were accustomed to doing. And why was this? Now, I'm going to show you what happened. What was going on here? Because why were they cutting themselves? This custom where they cut themselves with knives was an act of self-mutilation. It was a form of human sacrifice. The shedding of human blood pleased their false god. It pleased Satan. It pleased Satan. It pleased Baal. Hello? It pleased him. Human blood. Remember, Satan loves blood. That's how demons gain power. Blood. So this is why those who serve Satan and want more power or want more from him, they must bring human blood. And, and some are oftentimes not just their blood, it's the blood of someone else. 
Hello, somebody. And so, again, so the, these priests of Baal began to mix their human blood with the animal blood during this battle in hopes they would get Baal to respond. And then they, they went into their, their loud cries and they went into this quote unquote prophetic frenzy. It wasn't really prophesying, it was this demonic frenzy when they, be, they did their ritualistic dancing and, they, and spoke their demonic language and started prophesying. Uh, uh, was all the part of their demonic possession. So they were saying whatever the demons who were possessed him were having them to say, etc. Uh, and of course, Satan knows has information, knows certain things, so he can give you some facts. But they were just amongst each other doing their ritual. However, in doing all of this, it's worked before because they knew the power of the altar. They raised evil altars and got results. They raised evil altars and know the power of it. So they didn't go into this thinking that Baal wasn't going to respond. They were confident Baal was going to respond. But then it says that they went from morning to evening and there was no fire. Baal did not respond. What happened? What happened? I'm glad you asked. Baal had abandoned them. Did Baal have the ability to answer by fire? Yes. Baal had the ability to answer by fire. What happened was Baal went into hiding because the power of God was present. Baal took off and was silent because he knew what the end was going to be. He knew what the end was, what was going to be. And, 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 and I've done countless deliverance sessions where demons will leave before the first session even occurs. Individuals will often say, oh, I feel lighter, even before we had the first session, after, after we went over an assessment or there was a talk about it, we talked about it, I feel lighter, I feel different, there's certain things that are going on, it's not even happening now. Those demons will go into hiding, some will just flat out leave. Before the session even happens. And they notice change, the people noticing change. I never forget, there was a session, me and my wife went to, uh, uh, with an individual, and literally, the demon was was almost caused the individual to leave because we got lost. The GPS, we just got lost. It, it was a simple direction, simple instructions. We were on the way to this session and got lost, could not find it. It was right. We were, we were close in the vicinity. We finally found it. So the individual was there. We, we walked them through the deliverance process. Uh, and this individual um, had was one individual who said, well, I felt so much different. I felt lighter even. Does this normally happen before even a session happens? Yes, yes, it happened. Some demons left. We knew this now. Now, I knew I didn't give, give her all the details and explanation of it, but I said, yes, common. So we're going to get started because, you know, we, we were kind of late because we got lost. And so what happened when a demon manifested, the demon started laughing and saying, yeah, you got lost, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did that. I, I, I messed with the GPS, whatever. And so literally the, the demon was saying this. And then it says, uh, and it says, uh, well, I almost got her to leave. I almost got to leave because she was getting impatient. I almost convinced her to leave. Before you even got here for the session. And watch this now. And so this dean was very bold. It was the strong man. It was the, the, the ruling spirit within this particular individual. And it said, yeah, all the other ones left. Yeah, they left. But I'm not worried about them. Yeah, yeah, they, they're gone. They left. I said, where'd they go? They were afraid. They didn't want to stay around for it. They knew that they were going to get evicted. So they just left. They didn't want to stay. They, they, they abandoned. They, they, they took off. They were afraid. I said, well, what? You just left it. Let them leave you hanging like that? Oh, I'm not worried about them. Because this was a strong man. So it was like, well, I'm going to hold it down myself. Because they were hoping that they would be able to stay there so they could call those demons back. But it got evicted. So I'm showing you that 
this is what happens. And this is exactly what Bill did. Sometimes they will leave because they don't want to be around for the, the imminent embarrassment uh, and eviction. They don't want to be around for it. Some beings will run and others will put up a fight. But the results are the same in the end as long as you keep showing up. The results are the same in the end. So what happened? Bail abandoned them. Bail abandoned them. So they were wondering what's going on. They, they cutting themselves. Well, certainly we do blood sacrifice. We know he's going to respond. Nope. Abandoned them. In the face of the power of God. In the face of the power of God, the enemy will abandon, will go fleeing. So as you raise your golly altar, which we're going to get into that next week, as we can continue with this battle between the two altars. Uh, but I just wanted to, to cover this part, what happened at the evil altar when the false prophets, the false priests of Baal raised their evil altars. And what happened? Because Elijah was there. The power of God was there. And remember, the children of Israel, they are watching. Some of them were on two sides of the fence. Some of them were all the way on the side of Baal. But then they're wondering, what's going on? You think about it. All these priests, all think about all these people making evil incantations, all these people calling upon Baal at one time. That This was not the norm. They may have certain sacrifices along the way, but they all had their own individual lives, their own individual assignments. But all of them, this was corporate, corporate demonic prayer, corporate demonic summoning of the demon. Certainly they knew, they were confident. The altar was going to respond. That Baal was going to respond by fire. Nope. Baal was like, bro, I don't want no part of this. I already know what's going on. I'm not showing up nowhere. I got y'all thinking I'm all powerful, but I know who's all powerful. Satan's like, bro, I'm out. I already know what's about to happen. I'm not about to be embarrassed right here. I'll deal with y'all later. I'll talk to y'all later. But right now, I'm out of here. Abandon them. Because Elijah was obedient. He said, enough is enough. We're going to bring an end to this. Enough is enough. We're going to settle this dispute once and for all. You want to serve Baal? You want to serve Asherah? Let's see what God answers by fire. Because he can come to them saying, well, the law says this. They knew the law. The children of Israel knew the, the Ten Commandments. But they were in rebellion. They knew. They knew what was going on. So Elijah knew he couldn't come at them with that. He couldn't give them a lecture. He couldn't give them a speech about right or wrong, righteous versus evil. No. He said, look, how long have I fought between two opinions? But here's what we're going to do. Since you want to serve this God, let's have a showdown. Let's, 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 let's see who's going to answer by fire. To remind you, children of Israel, that God is the only true and living God, the all-powerful one, the great I am. And you have to serve notice on the enemy in the same way. I'm raising my golly altar. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. And you wipe it out. And you wipe out those evil altars by the fire of God. Silencing those evil altars. But again, your high priority. The fact that you understand how to expose the enemy. How to fight against the enemy. How to use the weapons of warfare. And this altar, raising a godly altar, is again another weapon to your disposal. The enemy does not want the altars present. The enemy does not want you praying. 
because they know where your power lies. But we see what happened here. The evil altars, they didn't respond when the power of God showed up. It was silenced. But if Elijah had not been obedient, if Elijah had not shown up, Baal would have had a party. We already see how Jezebel already had so many of the prophets killed, prophets of God. So Elijah was on a dangerous assignment, a dangerous mission. Obadiah took a risk by hiding those 100 prophets of God into a cave and feeding them bread and water. Hello? So yes, all eyes are on you. Nothing to be afraid of. You see, Elijah is a perfect example. We're going to get deeper into that next week. We can look at that Gali altar on the other altar on the battle of the two altars. We're going to look at the, what happened with the other altar. You know the story. But we're going to dig in a little deeper. So saying all is to say, these evil altars may have been erected against you, against your family. But you have power against it. You have power to overturn it. And it does not be overturned automatically. You have to overturn it. You have to come up against it. And some demons will go running. Others will, will not go without a fight. And so the ones that choose to stay and fight. Okay. That's cool. We will fight. But we have to make sure that we're praying on the level of our promotion. Because the enemy is relentless, so we should be relentless. Even in New Testament, uh, uh, there were folks who they were trying to kill Paul and them trying to kill some of the apostles. And they said, we're not going to eat until we kill them. So there's a such thing as a demonic fast. I've taught you on this. Demonic fast, where which is Wallace and Source will go on a fast unto Satan to try to gain power, to try to do certain things, to try to get to you. So in no way you should be out fasted by a witch. By a warlock, by a sorcerer. We got to dig in. We got to fast and pray. These are the basic principles as a child of God. But it becomes so challenging to be consistent with it. But we must be persistent and consistent until we see the results. Can't get around that. We have power over these evil altars. And I'm telling you, follow this series. You apply what's being taught. It's going to change the course of your life for the good forever. Because they don't want you to know how these evil altars are operating. I'm telling you, and, and, and I just show you, just from this passage, look at all those false priests making sacrifices. You don't know how many altars are working against you. And we'll get later, we'll get into family altars, evil family altars. You don't know how many are working against you. At minimum, at minimum, you have two. At minimum, that'd be from your mother's house, your father's house, on their, both sides of the bloodline. And you get into, you're adopted, and that's that's more at it. Then you're so many other, you're married, that's more at it. Certain people you're connected to, their family, more at it. So it can, it can be this long journey, long list of altars trying to work against you from different angles. So we have to know how to be strategic. And the first thing, the best and quickest way to combat an evil altar is to raise a golly altar against it. Amen. So I'm going to stop there because we're already uh, 15 minutes over, but we're going to pick back up next week.
uh, with uh, part three, and we can continue with the battle uh, between the two altars. So the first call, the first call, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, look, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Christ came that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly, that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Look, salvation is not the end. It is just the beginning. It is not the end. It is just the beginning. So if you're not saved and you want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, to walk in his power, to, 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 to carry out the will of God, this is your opportunity. You can simply repeat after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again from the dead with all power in your hands. You ascended back into heaven with God the Father. And you are my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. If you just said that for the first time, you're saved. It's that simple. You're saved. And we welcome you to the kingdom of God. We welcome you to the body of Christ, to the family of God. We rejoice. Scripture, angels in heaven are rejoicing because you got saved. Amen. And also, that's your first time making that profession. Send an email to us at info at decorgreen.org. That's info at D-O-Q-U-O-I. G-R-E-E-N.org, info at decorygreen.org. Amen. And the second call is you've been coming here. You've been, you've been hearing the word. You've been being fed. You've been growing here. Uh, and you know the Holy Spirit is leading you, that this is your home. This is your church family, that I am your pastor. I am your spiritual covering. No matter where you are across the globe, if you know that this is home, then send an email to us at info. Uh, uh, actually, you can send it to membership at decorgreen.org or info at decorgreen.org. Either one, membership at decorgreen.org or info at decorgreen.org, uh, stating that you want to uh, become uh, a partner. Uh, we say partner, same thing as member uh, of Upper Room Kingdom. Uh, that's you. You know this is home. Then govern yourselves accordingly. Don't drag your feet on it anymore. It's just simply that you are it's simply saying that you are a warrior, a soldier in God's army, and he's partnering you with this army for us to establish the kingdom of God together. So it doesn't matter where you are across the world. doesn't matter about being within the four walls. We are the church. And so wherever you are, we have many things in place to get you plugged in, no matter where you are across the globe. Amen. Uh, so if this is home for you, then send that email. Uh, and, and the second person I'm talking about, maybe you already have a church home, you connected somewhere, but you still see me as your mentor. Uh, you can also send an email and you can be a, that type of partner where I serve more as like a mentor unto you. Amen. So those are two people that I'm talking to, two types of people, two groups of people. So govern yourselves accordingly. The last call, of course, you sow back into the word, you sow back into the ministry because the kingdom of God is being advanced and we can't do it effectively without money, without finances. So individuals like yourself can sow back into the ministry so we can continue to advance the gospel because everyone is not getting this word. I say it all the time. Everyone is not getting this word. That's why I encourage you to share it. Tell others about it. Share it on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, et cetera. Get the word out, amen, that, that you know is going to bless them, transform their lives, et cetera. But you sow back into it, it as well. But the scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. So even when we talk about sacrificing, even that is a sacrifice. But never sow a seed without naming it. Name that seed. What do you want this seed to accomplish when you put it in the ground? Write it down how much you're sowing, what you're naming, and then you keep watching it with the word of God and praying over it until you see the results. Remember, you can sow, sow many seeds for the same thing. They said you can keep praying about the same thing. Amen. So uh, you send that. Uh, uh, you can go to decorgreen.org. 
That's D-O-Q-U-O-I-G-R-E-E-N.org, decorgreen.org. Uh, uh, and then you can go to uh, the donate tab and sow um, what the Lord placed on your heart to sow. Uh, Jacqueline said, what it says that it's not secure, that's some glitch in whatever, how the system set up. It could be depending on your browser as well, uh, but it's secure. It's through PayPal, so uh, it's secure. Uh, so again, that's the core green. Uh, dot org, uh, and then you click on a donate tab and sow what the Lord placed on your heart to sow. Amen. All right, and of course, announcement uh, tomorrow. Of course, we'll be back again for our Warriors Prayer Closet, six o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Monday through Friday, six o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time for our Warriors Prayer Closet, uh, uh, prayer and spiritual warfare. Uh, I think there's something else. Um, I think we might have a couple of seats left in our upcoming uh, deliverance class, soul healing and deliverance class. There may be a couple, but you would have to sign up pretty quickly uh, because the class is starting at the end of this month. Uh, and so you can send an email to info at the coregreen.org, info at D-O-Q-U-O-I-G-R-E-E-N.org, info at the coregreen.org if, you, if you're interested in being part of our soul healing, our five-week soul healing and deliverance class. There's a couple of prerequisites. So if you're interested in that, you would have to move pretty quickly. Uh, so you can get the information uh, to see if you are able to get into this next class. Amen. Uh, so that's all announcements I have. So I'll close out in prayer. Uh, and also, remember, our kingdom T-shirts go to irulandreign.com. That's I-R-U-L-E-A-N-D-R-E-I-G-N.com. Irulandreign.com for our kingdom uh, T-shirts, various different quotes, things that I say all the time. That's on a T-shirt. Amen. Father God, we come now to the end of yet another Bible study. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for all that's been said and done on today. Oh God, we thank you for exposing the enemy. We thank you, God, for destroying those evil officers that are trying to work against us. We thank you, God, for pushing these people forward into their destiny. I declare your spirit of peace rest upon them, oh God, your joy rest upon them. I declare they shall apply this word to their lives in the mighty name of Jesus. They shall go forth in power. They shall go forth in authority. And I send the heavenly host now to fight and do war on their behalf for no weapon. That's formed against them shall be able to prosper. Let them apply this word, oh God. Let them take it in their heart, oh God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, oh God, for continuing to give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, oh God. As they move forward in this season in their lives, oh God, let there be breakthrough, oh God. Let there be manifestation in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, we thank you, we praise you now. We glorify your name now, oh God. Send your ministry angels to minister unto them, oh God. And I declare sweet sleep for them tonight. We praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. So remember, go back and listen to this word. Make sure you listen to it throughout the week in your car, at work, at home, before you go to sleep, etc. Listen to it again so Holy Spirit can continue to reveal more things to you. Amen. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as always, remember that you are the breath of God and God never wastes a breath. This is Apostle DeCora Green sign out. God bless you. Have a smile upon you. Have a great evening. God bless you. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.